Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 13. Kids are heading to the kids' table. First Thessalonians 3, 1 through 13. This is an interesting passage uh, to, to, to try to preach. I, I began the week um, reading the passage and, and, and kind of going through it in my head and uh, what is it saying. And then I was at a, a ministry conference in Fort Worth Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And uh, so while I was there, I, I wasn't getting a lot of study done, but I was looking at the passage again, running it through my head. What it, it's there, there are best I could tell about three different ways to preach this. Um, it's not a it's not Paul telling people to do something, really. I mean, it, it, at least not the bulk of this passage. So it, I either preach it as we are outside observers reading this letter. I mean, of course we are, right? But reading this letter to this church and we're just kind of disconnected from it. And, oh, that's nice. He really loves them. And, oh, look, they love him too. And they're doing a good job, so yay, y'all. Eh, I, I couldn't get 45 minutes out of that. Actually, yeah, well, anyway. Not 45 good minutes, anyway. Um, that just didn't seem to work. Then, okay, well, then there are two main characters in, in this uh, letter, in this section of Scripture. It's, it's Paul and the church in Thessalonica. So who are we in this case? Could we put ourselves in the place of Paul? Could this passage be preached as if we were preaching, as if I were preaching to a bunch of Pauls? And yeah, I think that's actually a, not a bad uh, direction to go with that passage in certain places. If, if I were preaching to um, at the International Mission Board, for example, to the, some missionaries that were going out or missionaries that were home on furlough. And, you, know, it, you could say, okay, yes, y'all are, y'all are Pauls, and, and you need to have this same attitude toward the, the work that you're doing. Now, of course, I should be able to preach that here as well because we are all missionaries. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, every Christian's a missionary or he's an imposter. Uh, we're supposed to be making disciples, but, but we don't, most of us have groups that we have started uh, outside, uh, you know, have, have witnessed to and they formed a church. So to preach this as, as if everyone in here is Paul, like that could be done, but is that the best way to do it? Unless, like, this was the conversation I was having my, well, I wasn't even just having it with myself, it was out loud in the car driving back from Fort Worth to, to Sulphur uh, Thursday evening, was just kind of talking through this. And so if we come to this passage as, as, as 21st century church, I mean, we, we've really got to approach this passage, I believe, as if we're the, the church of Sulphuronica. Um, we are reading this letter as if Paul were writing it to us. Now, of course, at some point, we've got to say, are we even like that church? Could he write those things to us? Does this accurately represent who we are? Well, uh, that, that is certainly a question that we ask ourselves uh, individually and as a church. But that's the direction that I felt like 
this passage needed to go. These are the things I just wanted you that, that this those few minutes was just an inside look at what preachers go through in the week when we come to a passage that we need to preach and we go, okay, how do you preach those? Some are easy. Goodness, when you know the Ten Commandments, that's easy to preach. Don't, don't, don't do, do. You know, okay. That then we come to some passages and you go, what? What does the Lord have for us? Well, hopefully, I heard the Lord this morning or this week, and I have for us what the Lord has for us. So, faith, love, and holiness is the the passage this week, but we have a memory verse, and now we have some help to memorize it. Uh Uh-oh, they're blanks. Oh, no. Let's see if we can say it with the blanks. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God. Now, hold on. Don't wait for me to say the blank, and then you, this isn't say, mm-mm. Say it with me. Try it again. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5. Now, every week, we're going to take a word or two or three out so that by the end of this series, we're going to be saying, it's just going to be four, uh, nine green blocks up there. It's all you're going to see in a whole bunch of blanks. But this morning, we are looking at faith, love, and holiness. Now, if you are a child of the 90s, And you're like me, the first thing you thought of when it said faith, love, and holiness was Michael Bolton. Makes perfect sense, right? All of you are just totally getting what I'm talking about. Okay, well, he had a song called Time, Love, and Tenderness. When love puts you through the... I'm not going to sing it. I can't sing like Michael Bolton if I wanted to and I don't want to. When love puts you through the fire, when love puts you through the test, nothing cures a broken heart like time, love, and tenderness. When you think your world is over, baby, just remember this, nothing heals a broken heart like time, love, and tenderness. Time, love, and tenderness. Wasn't a great song. Almost. Very close to Michael Bolton. I'm working on the hair. I don't smolder when I look like that, though. I can't, I can't. Now, what is, why in the world would I bring that up? Well, first, just primarily so you know how weird my brain works. That I came up with the title, Faith, Love, and Holiness, beginning of the week. I mean, that, that was like Monday morning. And then, then as I thought about it, that's just, I, I recognized the pattern, the rhythm of that. Faith, love, and holiness. Faith, and I asked Etta, I guess it was Thursday night or Friday, uh, I said, hey, there's a song that sounds kind of like faith, love, and holiness. What, what is, she said, yeah, love and something, tenderness, and like, yeah, what, time. What was, who, who sang that? It was Michael Bolton, 1992. Chelsea, were you born yet? Okay. Oh, okay, all right. So it was your favorite song then? Let's come back to Michael Bolton at the end. Paul had a better answer than Michael Bolton, though. 
his, his answer, or the, Diane Warren, I think, actually wrote the song, uh, their answer was faith, uh, time, love, and tenderness. Paul's answer was faith, love, and holiness. As a matter of fact, I, if we wanted to get real philosophical about the song, they're asking some good questions here, and, and maybe some things that we can, we can look at when we get to the end. But, but we'll look at it when we get to the end. Paul, in writing this part of the letter, the, the first few verses, and we'll read them in just a second, uh, the first few verses, he is going to tell them that his concern for them, uh, them, the church in Thessalonica, outweighs his own concerns, his own wants, his own personal desires. He's going to say here in the first part of the paragraph that he just he couldn't wait for a visit. He had wanted to visit them. Satan had run him out of town and, and then run him out of the next town. And, then the ne- and now he's ended up in Athens and he's really wanting to get back there. And he's, he's hoping to be able to do it. But he just he can't wait to, to see them. He, he, can't, he doesn't want to wait. So he's going to send Timothy back to Thessalonica at his own personal cost. The personal cost of uh, not having Timothy with him. We know what kind of valuable uh, co-worker Timothy was. As a matter of fact, he uses a phrase in here to describe uh, Timothy as God's co-worker. It's only used in one other place, and that's of Apollos. So God's co-worker, that's, that phrase um, is only used one other time. So we know the value of Timothy. We know the, the letter that Paul letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. So it was an extreme at extreme personal cost that Paul sent Timothy to the church in Thessalonica. But he was willing to do it because of, of two things that we discussed last Sunday: discipling fellowship and celebrated discipleship. He, he wanted that discipling fellowship relationship uh, with the church in Thessalonica that we talked about from chapter 2, verse 17. And he wanted to celebrate their discipleship, their growth. He actually gets to do that through this letter or, or uh, through the report of Timothy. But he wanted this celebration of discipleship or to celebrate their discipleship that we talked about in chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Well, that's, that's kind of the setting here for the passage, uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 13. Read it along with me. I have not missed the air conditioner all winter, let me tell you. Uh, so my pages. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction, and as you know, it happened. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you, and that our labor might be for nothing." But now, Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now, if we, uh, for now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God 
because of you, as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the joy of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. Paul really only uses three words to describe the, the, church, the Thessalonican church's walk with Jesus. It's where, we got the, it's where I got the title from, from. Faith, love, and holiness. He talks about their affliction. He, he talks about some other things uh, that they're going through. But, but when describing them as a church, when describing them as a believer, and in fact, actually when encouraging them and, and being encouraged, he talks about their faith, their love, and their holiness. The first one he mentions is faith, and he mentions it a few times in verses 1 through 3. This, this faith he, he learns about and, and, and is able to encourage through Timothy uh, during this visit. He says he, he's, he, he sent Timothy because he was concerned. He wanted to strengthen and encourage them uh, concerning their faith in, in verse 2. But he did that because he was concerned that their faith might have been damaged in verse 5. I, couldn't, I sent him to find out about your faith, fearing the tempter had tempted you, and that our labor might be for nothing. Paul is intensely focused on continuing the discipleship that had been begun in the, the lives of these people in Thessalonica. He knew that they needed somebody. They needed leaders. They, needed, they had leaders, of course. He, he set up pastors and elders in, in every church that he, he left. But they needed somebody who was a, a teacher for them because everybody there, best we know, was, was a new Christian. And you set up leaders that show aptitude and that show uh, devotion to the Scripture, but the, the leaders need to be taught. I mean, that's exactly why I went to Fort Worth this week. I went to a, a it's called a Ministry Now conference, and it was the, all different aspects of church ministry for me just to sit and, and listen and, and, and learn and, and be encouraged. That's what every leader needs, every pastor needs. And so Paul knows uh, we still have work to do in this church. We still have to ha uh, help them along, disciple them. We need to disciple the leaders so that they can better disciple uh, the, the church members. And then they all need to be discipled together. And he wants to do this. He knows, though, it's not just a desire to do it, though he really wants to do it. It is a necessary thing. Paul's warned them about the affliction that they will experience. He, he says, you saw it yourselves when I got run out of town uh, and then chased to Berea uh, after Thessalonica. The, the folks from Thessalonica came and started stirring up trouble in Berea. And then he had to go to, uh, let's see, I think there was a town next. Then he went to uh, Athens. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, Athens. 
He says, you know all about the affliction, and, and now you know, well, you're going through it yourself. We, we, I told you all that, and, and, and I prepared you. But it's one thing to be told something's going to happen, and, and, and something else completely to actually have to go through it. You, you can prepare yourselves uh, all you want to for what's coming. I mean, we, we, can, we can prepare for a hurricane and, and put up storm shutters and, and, and get the generator oiled and gassed and, and all, all the steps we have to take. It's one thing to prepare for it. It's something else completely when you have to go through it. All the preparation in the world doesn't stop it or prepare you for everything that's going to happen because of it. And because of those things, because, because Paul understands that, and, and uh, I believe in uh, the letter to the Corinthians, he lists all the different things he had been through, beating, stonings, uh, shipwreck, uh, a few times, uh, uh, hated, uh, and, and then, uh, was it, Etta, you read it in Connect Group this morning, uh, and then at the end, and it said, on top of all that, I still worry about y'all. I still worry about the churches. All the churches that he was the, the, the founding pastor of, he's still worried about that. He knows that the folks in Thessalonica have the same thing going on. And he tells them, your affliction could create issues. He doesn't want them to doubt their faith. And in verses 3 and 4, he tells them, your affliction can make you doubt your faith. What you are going through can make you doubt. That could make you think, I'm either, I must have been disobedient somewhere. If I'm going through this affliction, maybe it's because I did something wrong. Maybe it's because God doesn't love me. Maybe it's because I didn't really get saved. I really didn't believe. We, we look at the things going on around us and we say, there's, there's no way if I were truly a child of God, I would be going through this. And Paul is telling them, look, we told you the affliction will come because you believe. You don't avoid it because you believe. You get it because you believe. That affliction can make them doubt. But it wasn't just the affliction they were experiencing. There are a number of, of times in Paul's letters, uh, Peter too for that matter, James, where he's having to explain to them, you, your sin does not mean you aren't saved. Because they think, and Paul is even concerned that, that Satan can make them doubt. That, that, that temptation can make them doubt their faith. And, and it, he, will. he will. He will tell you when he has won, when he has convinced you in that moment to commit that sin. See, you don't really love Jesus. Somebody who loves Jesus wouldn't do that. And then John tells us that if we confess he's faithful, we use that verse for salvation. But understand that John wrote the verse, 1 John 1, 9 and 10, to believers. Saying, when we, are, uh, uh, when, when we confess our sins, 
God is faithful and just to forgive us. See, it's, it's, it's been taken care of at the cross, but Paul knows that Satan is going to make you doubt. He's going to use your sin to do it. He's going to use temptation to do it. Paul is even going to have to write to the church in Corinth again, look, there's no temptation that has come upon you that is in any way uh, foreign to, 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 to human existence, foreign to, your, to man's experience. But in every temptation, God has provided a way out. The, the temptation may feel like it's too much to bear, too much to overcome, and yet God is with us. Our faith can stand strong. And then finally, Paul understands, and we see it in verses 1 and 5, that isolation can make you doubt. Certainly the affliction that we go through as believers can make us doubt. Yes, this temptation from Satan can make us doubt. But as believers, as followers of Jesus, especially new Christians, young Christians, if we are isolated from the church, if we are isolated from a body of believers, then that isolation can make us doubt. That was one of Paul's big, big concerns. That's why he said in, in verse 1 and 5, I, cannot, I couldn't stand it anymore. I couldn't stand being away from you. I couldn't stand not hearing how things were going because he knew that an isolation from God's teaching, uh, God's word, the teaching of God's word, the preaching of God's word, the, the discipling of each other in God's word will cause us to doubt our faith. It's more of a slow fade that way, but it will still weaken our faith. Paul wanted their faith to be strengthened, wanted to know if their faith had weakened, and wanted to be able to do what was necessary to make their faith strong. Well, what he found out, we read in verse 6, is that their faith was strong. He, he learns from Timothy. Uh, apparently, Timothy had, had just gotten back when he wrote this letter. It, it, it's, it, it's like he got the report from Timothy, and he said, that is great. Starts writing, here, take this back. He, he hears these reports. I want to back up just a second, though. I want to focus on verse 5 for just a minute. The way Paul says in verse 5, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. I want to hang out there for just a second. Paul uses some verbs there that make it clear. Our English translation says, Fearing that the tempter had tempted. Fearing is a little strong because his verb says, you have been. You have been tempted. But when he says that our labor might be for nothing, that verb, might be, is, is a doubtful verb. You have been tempted. But I doubt your faith is weakened. I, I almost see Paul here as the, uh, 
the blind man that, that Jesus was going to heal, I believe, help my unbelief. Paul had confidence that the faith of the church was strong, but he knew that there was potential, that it wasn't. Y'all, when things happen, when, when afflictions come, when temptations come, when we are isolated for whatever reason, we saw this during the pandemic that isolation made the faith of some people grow cold. The distance from the church created problems and folks still haven't returned to church. And I'm not just talking about ours, I'm talking about like all over. Because the distance hurt their faith. Affliction will happen. Temptation will happen. Isolation will happen. A decline in our faith does not have to happen. And that's why I wanted to go back and and hit this one more time. We have no excuse. There are reasons why it should, could, or might. But there are no have-tos in a decline in our faith. Paul wants to encourage them... And so he does, that your faith can remain strong through all of these problems in life. Move on to number two, love. Faith and love. And, and he kind of, he overlaps here a good bit with the faith and the love moving into verses 6 through 12. Because he says, Timothy's come back and he's, he, he has brought us good news that good news there, you probably learned in your connect group this morning if you came, uh, that that good news is, is the word evangelism. He, he, it's normally used for the good news of the gospel. But Paul uses it here to learn of the good news that their faith was strong. That For him, that was the gospel because the gospel came in not, not just in, in word only, but in power. Power to maintain their faith through affliction, temptation, and isolation. It was a powerful word. So when he heard that the gospel had sustained their faith, it was a gospel to him. It was a God's word to him that their faith was strong. Jaden flew to South Carolina a week and a half ago. Um, flew back home last night, uh, got in Lake Charles about 10.30 with a, a children's ministry, a traveling children's ministry group called Giant Cow. Yes, I said that right. It's called Giant Cow. has nothing to do with what they do. There are no live cows involved at all. It's just a catchy name. When, when I fly... It's fine, whatever. When my kids fly or my wife flies, I want to be on the plane. Not because I can do anything if something happens. I just want to be there when something happens. So the entire time that plane is in the air, 
Now, I've, I've read all the stories, I've, 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 I've examined, the, I've listened to the, 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 the NTSB and how, you know, most plane crashes happen within a certain distance of the runway at takeoff or on the runway at landing. So, you know, the however many hours between those two things are normally very safe. That don't matter. All the statistics are out the window when it's your kids on the plane, your family on the plane. So, even I, Michael worries? <laughs> yeah. Even I am worrying the entire time. I've got a nice little app on my phone now. You can track every plane that's in the air right now. You hit it, you can see every plane that's flying around the world. I get a, the flight number, I tap on it, that little plane turns red. And I see it wherever it goes. And I'm watching it the entire time just about it that it's in the air. It's that text or that Facebook post on the ground. Whew. I can quit worrying. Now, he may get a car wreck from the airport to wherever he's going. Uh, statistically, yes, it's more likely to happen that he gets in a car wreck, we get in a car wreck than we do a plane crash. I get it. Again, statistics don't matter when it comes to these sorts of things. These churches were Paul's kids. So Paul sends Timothy. He can't stand to wait. He sends Timothy... And can you imagine, they, they didn't have texts and, and, and phones and, and, and the news. So he's just waiting to see, does Thessalonica even exist as a city anymore? You know, it, well, who knows what has gone on since we've been gone. And then Timothy shows up. I almost imagine he, he's the, the, the dad of the prodigal son, Paul was, every day. Looking out the gate, is, is Timothy coming back? No, all right. And then he gets the message. I've heard, you're good. You're not just good, you're great. That's verses 6 through 12. He says, not only have I gotten this good news, this gospel about your faith, he, he adds love here. Paul has been worried about their faith. And that their faith may have grown cold. Their faith may have been shaken. But then he finds out that their faith is strong. But so is their love. Proud dad moment. This was Jaden's first flight without us. I, and I think he and Jamie flew a few years back to, to North Carolina to see my brother and sister-in-law and their cousins. But, but by himself, this is his first time. So he's always had somebody he was following, always had somebody with the, the tickets. And now we go this way and baggage is that way. And here's our gate and here's the time that we got to hurry and all this stuff. And this time he, he did it on his own. And, and we took him to Lake Charles Airport, which is like going to a... Restaurant. I mean, it's like you're in there. there whoa, it's just right there. And then where's the gate? Oh, the gate's right there. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful. I love Lake Charles Airport. And then he's going to DFW. Those are different. Okay? 
Now, he's a smart kid. I'm not worried. But then we hear, oh, he's gotten through fine. And, and, and we knew. We, we raised our kids to be independent, to be able to take on whatever comes their way. And, yep, that first step is going to be a little tougher. But once you get past that, and that's what happened. He, oh, he's an expert on airports now. Uh, where have you been? DFW, you flew into Philadelphia, uh, then to Greenville, South Carolina, drove to St. Louis, flew out of St. Louis, back into DFW, and then to here. He's an expert on airports now. Proud dad moment. Not so much a proud mama moment two or three nights ago when as he went on this trip and knew he's going to be gone for two weeks, longest he had ever been away from us at one time. Hey, he's worried he's going to get homesick. Three or four nights ago, you still home? You still homesick? No, not at all. You could be a little, be all right, but no, that's great. Off doing his thing and doing better than we expected. That's Paul. Right here when he gets the report from Timothy. Not only did you do what I really thought you'd do. Not only is your faith continued to be strong. Not only did you learn to get around the airports like I figured you would. But you're not even homesick. Not only did you grow in your faith. Y'all have grown in love. You, you've, done, you've done more than I'd hoped. More than I'd thought. More than I'd asked. He's come to us. He reported that you always have good memories of us. That you long to see us as we also long to see you. Verse 7. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. Do you hear? Paul is saying, the way I feel depends on what you're doing as a church. I feel seen. Because yes, the way I feel, personally, Michael, depends on how we are doing as a church. It's, it is... It is a, an attachment. It is emotional. Their love had been growing. Paul says, we were encouraged by you. How in the world can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? Now, he, he is effusive in his praise here that they have gone above and beyond. He cannot believe how that church has grown while he has been away. And all he can do is gush about it. That's our church. That's my church. That's the church in Thessalonica. That, that, they, were, they were this, and now they're this. And, and they were, they, oh, but now they're, ah, yeah, they're just, wow. That is, mm, that's what he's doing. Because of their love. I've said a lot here in the last few minutes. It's because of love. 
not, he doesn't say anything about increase in attendance. He doesn't say anything about more tithing members. He doesn't say anything about building a new building. He doesn't say anything about increase in programs or ministries. He doesn't say anything about anything except what has set him off, what has him excited. Their faith has remained, kind of thought they would, it would, but I was a little worried. But their love has increased. That's what has excited Paul. Their love toward him, verse 6. I hear about how you have uh, talked about us. You have good memories of us. He says that you long to see us as we long to see you. You, you have loved us. It would have been very easy for the church to be mad at Paul. You told us there was going to be some affliction. But you didn't tell us it was going to be like this. Well, you didn't use the right words. Or you, the message Timothy brought... Because hold on, let's, let's jump ahead for just a second. Paul's going to say when we get to the word holiness in verse 13. No, I'm sorry, verse 10 rather. He's going to talk about what's lacking in their faith. Paul, you just, you just talked about how good our faith was, how we're growing in love. Now you're going to say we're lacking? Love means correcting. Love means discipling, disciplining. Paul has had to have some frank conversations with them, I'm sure, in the months that he was there in Thessalonica and tell them things that they probably didn't want to hear. I mean, let's just begin with the fact that their entire worldview was wrong when he told them about Jesus. And then all of this persecution, all of this affliction. Paul, what are you doing? Why did you get us into this? Why weren't you a little more honest with us? No, their love toward Paul had grown. Because, I think, he was honest with them. But we, just, we don't just see love here from the church to, this, uh, to, to Paul. We see love from Paul toward the church. In verse 9 he says, how can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience? That, that word, and, and I looked to try to figure out how, what this meant. That word, can, how can we thank God, how can we, is actually the verb form of the word dunamis, which means power dynamite. Now, it doesn't always mean dynamite. It doesn't always mean explosion, but it's a strong word. What Paul is saying here is there is no possible, reasonable, in any way, shape, or form, or fashion, way that you could imagine how much we love you. How much 
we thank God for you. You cannot fathom the love that we have for you as a church. The love had grown. He, he heard from the church, and he heard that they loved him still. And now he's saying, you, just, you have no idea how this affects me. And how much I love you in return. The joy he experiences... It's no, it's no understatement to say that a, a pastor emotionally, spiritually, psychologically lives and dies by what goes on in a church. I have trouble putting into words... I've I, I probably told y'all before, there's not a time I don't think about the church. It doesn't matter if I'm on voc- vacation or working at a conference or working in the yard. It, it, is, it is constant because this isn't just a job. Do I get paid for it? Yeah, uh, Paul says I should. The Bible says I should. But I don't... Sometimes... You know, the stress may not be worth the, the money. It's, it's because of a calling. It's because of the love that God has put in me for the church. That there's, there's never a time that, that I am not thinking about, wondering about, rejoicing because of or hurting, hurting due to the church. First thing I wake, uh, think about probably when I wake up. Last thing I'm thinking about when I go to bed. This is not the type of job that when I walk away from the desk at 5 o'clock or whatever, then you know there, it doesn't exist until I get back the next day. That's what Paul is talking about here. He rises and falls on what's going on in the church. And that is, can be, very unhealthy. Let me just admit that up front. As a believer, regardless of of my position, I need to rise and fall on Jesus. But, as we see here, even with Paul... The, the love for the church, the depth of the love that a pastor has for his church, the church he pastors, if you don't like pastors saying his church, that hits daily. So when something good happens, when he learns about people following in obedience to God's call, being saved, how can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience? Verse 12, Paul goes on and says, uh, we skip ahead just a little bit. 
because he's wanting them to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone. So he's, he's been encouraged by their love for each other. He, and, and this is not just uh, the church loves Paul, Paul loves the church. We say it. I see it here, and I think that came up in his unity when he said, I, I, I see this, this unity that you have now. I see this growth. That love is a part of it. That is one of the reasons why they have become a stronger church because he sees their love. He knows about their love, and he is encouraged by it. Lastly, he sees holiness, faith, love, and holiness. Verses 11 through 13 are a prayer that he prays for them. The, the words direct, increase, and overflow, verse, uh, word direct in verse 11, increase and overflow in verse 12, are uh, not as common uh, types of words in the New Testament. They're wishes. He wishes something would happen. Uh, the, the word with, um, uh, what was it, they, that, they might, that his labor might be for nothing, that's it, possibly, but probably not. This, these words, he's, he's wishing. He doesn't know if their love is going to increase and overflow. He doesn't know if the Lord is going to direct his way to them. But he does know, without a doubt, verse 13, that he is praying that the Lord will make their hearts blameless in holiness. Make their hearts blameless in holiness. Maybe this is the, the, the lacking of their faith that he talked about in verse 10, that, that they've got some holiness things they need to work on. He says, you, I am praying that God will make you more holy. Or it could just be the fact that we all need to work on that. See, sin is a heart problem. He prays that they will, uh, their hearts will be blameless in holiness. The heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. We have new hearts as believers, and yet we live in bodies of flesh that still want to sin and still want to go down a path of rebellion. And the Holy Spirit in us draws us away from that. He, he prays that we would, that the church would respond to the Holy Spirit, have hearts blameless in holiness. So in order to be saved, in order to be a church, faith is required and love is commanded. Love one another even as I have loved you. The, people will know you are my, my disciples by the way you love one another. Now abide these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That, that's, that is what will bind the church. We can be a church of faith without love. It's going to be hard. Probably has been. We, we can be believers, and, and we're not going to be good believers. We're not going to be growing believers, but we can not have love. He says you need to, faith is required to be the believers, to be the church, rather. Love is commanded in order to be the right kind of church. But holiness, if you have holiness, if your heart is blameless in holiness, then it will increase and strengthen both of those things. If you are holy, 
your faith increases. And if you are holy, your love for each other increases. It is when the tempter comes and we give in to that temptation that our faith may ebb, that our love grows cold. If we are holy, then we will be more faithful, have greater faith, and be more loving. And Paul prays this for the church because sanctification is a lifelong process. May he make, make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. That thing that's going to happen in the future, whenever it happens, may God continue to work on you until that happens. That means we have a lifetime, a lifetime call of increasing in faith and increasing in love and becoming more holy. So at the risk of making a bad song worse, what if Paul had written this song? And instead of faith, love, and tenderness... Time, love, and tenderness, it was uh, faith, love, and holiness. There's Paul. That's his album cover. Um, There we go. When life puts you through the fire, when life puts you to the test, nothing says that you will make it like faith, love and holiness when you think your world is ending christian just remember this nothing calms what has been shaken like faith love and holiness faith love and holiness no we will not be doing that song next sunday because it's not any better except maybe the message do you want to do you need to overcome the affliction do you need to Respond differently. Are you seeking what's next in your life? Faith, love, and holiness. That's our call as a church. That's a call as as a believer. That's the lesson we see from this part of the letter to the Thessalonians. Today, maybe you don't have faith... Love is cold, and certainly holiness is a long way from where you are. Only Jesus can bring you any of those three, faith, love, and holiness. You won't have them without Christ. Faith is a gift. You realize we have faith, and yet we receive faith. More of that, uh, I have free will, God is sovereign thing that I'm not even going to try to explain. It, It doesn't... In our heads it doesn't work, but in God it does. So if you need faith, pray this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you don't even have the faith to pray for faith. Is that, does that work? Yeah, somehow. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why could Paul write to the church and say, I want to make sure your faith is strong? And it might not be, but it probably is. Because he knew where their faith was. 
He knew that they had trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. He had brought the gospel to them and they had received it. They had understood their sinfulness and knew that they were doomed because of it. That the wages of sin was death. But he had shared with them the gospel, the good news. That the gift of God was eternal life. But not just an automatic thing, not just suddenly they get to do it, not that God has ignored their sin, but instead placed it on Jesus. And he had taken their punishment. That gift of eternal life was in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he tells them, if you believe in your hearts, uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have salvation. And then, then you can lead this life of faith, love, and holiness. Is that something you need today? You need to give your heart to Jesus. We're going to have an opportunity in a few minutes, and you'll be able to do that. But I want to pray for us first right now. Father, thank you that we have your word, that we have the ability through the Holy Spirit to not just persevere through affliction, but grow in it, that our faith can grow through an afflicted, persecuted time, that, that, that and not just our, our faith, but our love can grow often in a time of change, transition, persecution, or affliction, that's when we may be tempted to turn against each other. Lord, we know that as a church, we can come together in unity and love in these times of of often painful transition. And God, if we are pursuing holiness... Holiness, sanctification, if we are looking at you, then we will grow in love, grow in faith. So our, we're not putting our eyes on people, but we're putting our eyes on you. We're believing the best of each other instead of the worst. And ultimately, we're trusting you. God, that is, that is our call as, our, as a church But Lord, that is a foreign concept to someone who has never trusted Jesus as Savior. They do not have the access to the Holy Spirit that we as believers have that will allow us to grow in faith, love, and holiness. So Lord, I pray this morning that someone who is listening to this message will hear the gospel, respond in faith, repent of their sins, turn from them, and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior today. God, may all of us leave here with a renewed passion, a renewed determination, a renewed encouragement from your word to live in faith, love, and holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you have a next step to take this morning. Accept salvation through Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to be baptized. You've trusted Christ and you need to follow in that first obedience. Maybe you need to conform your life to Christ. God's calling you to do something. Submit to his plan. 
something you never thought you'd be doing in a million years, and God has called you to it, and you need to be obedient in that. Maybe you need to join our church. You can share your decision with us by coming forward. I will be at the front here. Amy will be at the front over here on the left. We'll have a couple of our men in the back if you'd like to talk or pray with them. Maybe you want to share it that way. Share it on a connection card. If you're watching online, you can send us a a message, comment there on the Facebook page. Whatever you'd like to do, let us know what God is doing in your life. Maybe you just need to pray. Maybe you feel like your faith is strong, but your love has grown cold. Maybe your holiness is an issue. You can come to the front here, to the steps, pray, pray with one of us, whatever you need to do. Let's take a few minutes, let's worship, and let's do business with God. Let's stand and sing.